I have, uh, I have missed you, and I am thankful for the opportunity to be back, and I appreciate Harold's uh, invitation. Uh, I have come to know and to love Harold, and I appreciate his style of preaching. He does expository preaching. You don't hear much, many people doing that nowadays, and uh, I, appreciate, I appreciate Harold. I've come to really know him and love him, and I'm glad that you called him uh, to be your pastor. And I pray for you a constant every week. Ask the Lord to increase your borders, increase your influence in Burlington, northern Kentucky, and around the world. So thank you again for having me. It's like, uh, it's like coming home. And I see, now when I get out in public, if you speak to me, will you tell me that you're from Burlington? Because I get mixed up. Are they from Burlington or are they from First Church? So tell me that you're from Burlington so I'll keep it straight. Well, I hope you had a great Christmas. We have a one-year-old great-grandson, and he put the Mary back in Christmas. And uh, he livened up these old bored adults, and it was great. But I am always amazed at how long it takes to get ready for Christmas. And then it is over so quick. And somewhere on Christmas afternoon... It seems that it just goes out like a balloon that has lost its air and everybody's off to the movies. (laughs) And so it it, it comes so long and then it's gone so quick. So today I want us to hang on to Christmas just a little longer. And my sermon is built around what we just sang, Mary, Did You Know? I want to discover two things this morning. I want to discover what she knew and what she did not know. But first, let's look, read her, her uh, text one more time. From Luke, the first chapter, let's begin with verse 26 through 39. And I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. I highly recommend it to you. Get you one of these and, and give your NIV away uh, to somebody else. <clears throat> I'm just saying. (laughs) In the sixth month, did you ever wonder what the sixth month was? It's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Mary's cousin. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Have you ever noticed in the scriptures, the angels show up and just scare the bejesus out of people? (laughs) And the first thing they say is, Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, 
How can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. That's the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that in the fullness of time you came among us in Jesus and you visited us with your grace. We thank you that now you hold us forever in your loving embrace. And Father, thank you, Mary. I don't believe we understand all that Mary went through. And Lord Jesus, we Protestants don't always give your mother the honor that she is due. We've come today to learn from her, not to worship her, but to learn from her just how much at times it costs to obey God's command. So Holy Spirit, teach us through Mary's example. When we're afraid as she was afraid, give us courage. When we are anxious as she was anxious about all of this, give us peace. And when we're discouraged like she was, lift our spirits. And this coming year, may we, like Mary, say, I am the Lord's servant. Now, Father, pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today. Give each of us just the message you want us to hear. Because we pray to you in the name of Mary's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and all God's people said, Amen. Mary, did you know? It is a haunting song, isn't it? No song that's been written in the last three decades has provoked the kind of response as Mary, did you know, has. The words were written by Mark Lowry and by Buddy Green. Buddy Green wrote the melody. Mark Lowry wrote the words. In 1984, Mark Lowry was living in Houston and the pastor of his church asked him if he would write a program for the living Christmas tree that the choir was presenting. It was then, when Mark was working on that program, that he began to think, what would it have been like to be Jesus' mother? And keeping the perspective of a reporter, doing a story on Jesus from Mary's point of view, Mark penned the words to Mary, did you know? Mark joined the Gaither Vocal Band in 1988. Mark had been with the vocal band for two years when Buddy Green, who was a very talented musician and vocalist and plays the harmonica like crazy. And Mark decided that he would share the words to Mary, did you know, with, with Buddy Green. He sent him this note. He said, Buddy, here are some God-inspired words. Please add some beautiful music and make it a profitable hit. (laughs) Well, knowing knowing Mark Lowry, that was meant to be a joke. But Green took his assignment very seriously. And after a while, 
he finished up writing the melody to the song, and he called Mark Lowry, and he sang it for him over the phone. Mark absolutely loved it. Within a week, they had put together a jam box demo and had given it to their favorite vocalist to sing, which was Michael English. Michael English was the first person to record Mary Did You Know. Now, they did not think that it would go any further. They didn't expect anybody to jump on the bandwagon. But country music singer Kathy Mattia heard it and recorded it. Scores of singers quickly took it into the studio and recorded it. And then Natalie Cole recorded it and put it on the map. So thanks to this exposure, Mary Did You Know was soon adopted by choirs and soloists across the world. President Clinton says that Mary Did You Know is his favorite Christmas song. Mary Did You Know, a song like no other Christmas carol ever penned, written about a mother like no other mother, the mother of Jesus. Now, when we meet Mary in the scripture, she's probably between 14 and 16 years old. Can you imagine? 14 to 16 years old. She was a simple Jewish girl living in a village called Nazareth, way up in the northern part of Galilee. Mary had become engaged to a young carpenter in the community named Joseph. Now, in those days, the engagement was as binding as a marriage, except they did not have sexual relationships with one another. And during that one year, they were never left alone by themselves. They were always escorted. But one day, an angel from the very presence of God, Gabriel, came to visit Mary. And he told her that she would be the mother of the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of of the living God. <clears throat> Gabriel, folks, was asking a lot. A young, unmarried, pregnant girl in that day risked all kinds of dangers. She could easily, easily lose her fiancé, she could lose her family, and certainly she would lose her reputation, and in those days she could even have lost her life. Nevertheless, Mary simply responded in faith, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. Now Mary's willingness to be obedient to God despite the risk is her glory and her heritage. Her bravery, her courage is her inheritance. Now what did Mary know? What did Mary know? Mary knew that God uses humble people for his mighty purposes. God, she knew that God used humble people for his mighty purposes. Later in chapter 2 of Luke's gospel, she visits, Mary's, she visits her cousin, Elizabeth, who is six months pregnant with a baby who would be called John the Baptist. And the two women talk, and Mary says... For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now, she's not saying this in a bragging way. She is simply awestruck by the fact that God would use her. 
See, folks, the world would have never guessed. <laughs> the world would have never guessed that God Almighty was hidden in the womb of a simple teenage girl in northern Galilee. See, on the world scale, <clears throat> she didn't mean a whole lot. She, she wasn't worth much, according to the world. But God made her the most blessed of all women. He takes this ordinary girl and does such extraordinary things through her. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that about yourself. Never think of yourself as a loser or as a person of little worth. If God could take this peasant girl and make her the most blessed woman in the world, don't ever think of yourself as a loser. Don't ever think, I am too much of a sinner for God to love. No, 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 no. Never assume that you have no gifts or talents that would be useful to the Lord. God has the habit of using the most unlikely people to accomplish his great purposes. I'm an avid reader, and I just finished reading Robert White Jr.'s wonderful biography of Abraham Lincoln. Here was a boy that was born in the backwoods of Kentucky, raised in no place Indiana, and then went to the plains of Illinois. And God reached down and took that humble man who didn't even have an education and changed the world. And folks, let me tell you, if I had been God, I wouldn't have called me to do what I do. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have called you either probably, but... Uh, I wouldn't, but God found me in the tuck back in the mountains of East Tennessee. See, Mary knew that God uses humble people for his mighty purposes. Mary also knew that she was a virgin. She knew the facts of life. When Gabriel delivered this momentous news that she was to be the mother of the Messiah, she asked only one question. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now, Mary knows where babies come from, and you don't get them from virgins. She, she knew that. I, and I know some of you have great difficulty understanding the virgin birth. But let me assure you that Mary and Joseph had a more difficulty with it than you do. <laughs> and her parents did. This much she knew, I'm not married. I'm just a teenager. I am about to become an unwed mother. Whoopee! She was supposed to be happy about this? God has the most interesting way of showing his favor. Now she knows, I have to go to Joseph and tell him that I am pregnant and he knows, will know then I have been unfaithful to him, and he knows he is not the father. She had to tell Joseph, I have been visited by an angel, and I am pregnant because of a miracle that was done in my body, Joseph. Now what, people, let's be honest, what are the odds that any man <clears throat> is going to believe that story? Who's going to believe that? <clears throat> she had to go to her parents and say the same thing. You know what we would do nowadays? We would cart her off to an institution somewhere. 
pregnant? A miracle by the Holy Spirit? Is this what it means to be favored by God? Evidently, being favored by God doesn't always protect you from the bumps and the bruises of life, does it? Mary knew that she was a virgin. It always amazes me that Christians have trouble believing the clear biblical teaching that Jesus was born of a virgin. As far-reaching as fertility uh, science is nowadays, if they were to announce this week that scientists had created a virgin birth in a lab somewhere, I, I don't think we would be all, we wouldn't probably dispute that because science is doing amazing things in fertility. But then why would we want to deny the God who created science has the ability to manipulate the laws of the universe and give a baby a unique birth? Jesus' birth was a miracle. Remember what Gabriel said to her. Nothing is impossible with God. In the year 2020, I hope you will remember that. When you come up against a hard place, and we don't know what's ahead of us, and thank God we don't, but when you come up against that hard place in 2020, will you remember what the angel said to Mary? Nothing is impossible with God. Now, of course, some people refuse to believe in any miracles, and the devil loves for us to do that, especially, especially very intelligent people. I don't believe anything that I can't rationally contemplate or comprehend, really, really. And the unspoken assumption there is that we can rationally understand God's doings. And God must get a big laugh out of that. There are a lot of things we can't fully understand. Do you understand that in the springtime, when you put a, a dead seed in the ground and it germinates and it becomes alive, do you understand that? Do you understand when you walk in a room and you flip a switch and poof, all these lights, do you understand that? When I go down to my office and about the only thing I can do to a computer is turn it on, and I turn it on, do you, do you, when you turn, do you understand how that works? <laughs> and even better this, do you understand why your spouse loves you? Do <laughs> you understand that? Or do you understand why the Bengals can't have a winning season? <laughs> I've been a Bengals fan for so 47 years. See, you can't be a Christian without believing in miracles. Because right at the center of the Christian gospel is the miracle of the resurrection. And Paul said, if you do not believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, your faith is dead on arrival. Now, compared to the virgin birth, or compared to the resurrection, rather, the virgin birth is no real challenge for God. That's as easy as Joe Burris throwing seven, seven touchdowns last night. But what did Mary know? She knew that God uses ordinary people for his purposes. People just like you and me. She knew she was a virgin. And she also knew that her son would be the promised Messiah. She knew that. Gabriel told her, Luke 1.32, 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. She knew this boy was going to be the promised Messiah. So God begins to communicate what this baby is going to be, who Jesus is going to be. And folks, we still have not plumbed the depths of Jesus, have we? And people are still arguing over who Jesus is. But in the birth announcement, God communicated to the world this baby would be the Savior of the world. Mary knew that this baby was the Messiah that the Jews had waited for all these years. She knew to name the baby Jesus. Joseph knew who this baby was. He knew that this baby was going to be the son of God because the angel told him in a dream, and she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from his, their sins. Mary knew, Joseph knew, that this baby was to be the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior. All right, you've been listening real well. Let's take a little break, take a deep breath, and uh, let's review a little. What did Mary know? Mary knew that God uses humble people for mighty purposes. Ordinary people, just like us, to do extraordinary stuff. Mary knew, (laughs) did she ever? that she was a virgin. Mary knew that her son would be the Messiah. Now, what didn't Mary know? What didn't Mary know? I don't think Mary knew what Jesus' life would be like. I I don't think she fully understood how his people, her own people, would hate him and despise him. I don't think she understood how controversial that he would be. And, and, and she proves this out. Jesus is in Capernaum, and he's attracting large crowds of people. Word gets back to Mary in Nazareth. Your boy's acting real funny, Mary. He's doing some strange things. We think he's lost his mind. Mary comes from Nazareth to Capernaum, crowd was so big that she could not get in to see Jesus, and she sent word in there that she was out there. And they've come to take him home and care for him. One scholar said this. He said, Jesus is teaching a crowd so large and packed that neither his disciples nor his family could get to him. Mary and other members of his family had heard strange things about Jesus and were afraid that he had lost his mind, and they wanted to take him home and care for him. Mark, Matthew, and Luke all talk about that. I don't think she understood that he would be a miracle worker. And miracles were a part of his ministry. Did she understand that the blind would see and the deaf would hear and the dead will be raised and the lame will walk and the dumb will talk? Did she know that? I I don't think she fully understood that. Jesus was so crowded by People wanting a miracle that he hardly had time to eat or sleep. I don't think Jesus' lifestyle, Mary couldn't begin to comprehend Jesus' lifestyle. Mary, I don't think she really understood what Jesus' life 
would be like. And I don't think she fully understood how Jesus would have to die. Now, she got an inkling of this. She got an inkling of this. But I wonder sometimes, did she fully understand it? When Jesus was eight days old, they took him to the temple to have him circumcised and to be dedicated to the Lord. And you were supposed to take a sacrifice, a lamb. They were too poor for a lamb, so they took two doves. There was an old man in the temple named Simeon. And he comes up to Jesus, takes him in his arms, lifts that baby up to God, and he says this, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all peoples. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Now, question. Anybody say anything like that when you were born? Anybody say anything like that over you? We had two children. They were beautiful. They would, people say, oh, they're so cute. But no one ever come up and said, okay, I can die now that I've seen your baby. <laughs> Old Simeon turns and he speaks not to Joseph, but to Mary. And in those days, Jewish men did not speak to women in public. And he speaks to Mary, however, and he says this. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. Wow. But he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And get this, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Then he turns around and walks away. What in the world is Mary to think? Good news, angels, choirs, <clears throat> son of God, savior, peace on earth, king of kings, lord of lords. And now she's being told that his glory will come through sorrow and suffering and he'll be misunderstood and he will be opposed and there will be a sword. Which means there'll be a cross. That means there will be death. That means that there will be great pain to Mary. Now you mothers, God bless you, you sacrifice more for your children than they will ever know or understand but has there ever been a mother who suffered as much as Mary the nails that were driven into his hands and into his feet might as well have been driven into her body the sword that pierced his side could just as well been thrust through her side and the pain of Jesus was her pain can you imagine having to watch your son be flogged nearly to death. Can you imagine watching your son carry a cross to the hill of Calvary? Can you imagine having to watch your son nails in his hands and his feet? <clears throat> Can you imagine? She had to stand there and watch her boy treated unmercifully so that she could be saved and so that we could be saved. There was a young mother <coughs> and a wife told of her experience recently 
in Memphis. It was Christmas time, it was time of year. She had taken her two young boys to pick up a friend of hers that was coming to visit her during the Christmas holidays. Let me, let me just let you read her story as she says it. She says it far better than I could tell you. She says, as I stood in the airport hallway where incoming passengers arrive, I saw a soldier in fatigues rushing toward my area. He was a big man, but very young. He stopped almost beside me and held out his arms, and from the corner of my eye, I saw a little toddler rushing toward him, crying, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And right behind the toddler was its mother, and all three hugged as a family. Then I saw the soldier's mother bursting into tears. His father hung back, hands in his pocket, a face full of pride, tears on his cheek. Suddenly I forgot about meeting my friend. When that soldier's eyes met mine, I said, Welcome home, son. Welcome home. And tears were slowly building in my eyes as he walked away with his family. My older son asked, Why is everyone crying? And I said, Well, he's fighting for you. And he's fighting in a faraway country so that hopefully one day you won't have to. They're crying with joy because he is home, safe, and sound, and with his family to celebrate Christmas. My friend finally showed up, and seeing her was wonderful. But somehow my perspective changed. Somehow all the regular joys of Christmas paled in comparison with the gratitude in my heart that this soldier was home safe and sound with his family. Because I'm a mama, I cried that night for all the mamas of those soldiers. My prayer has my prayers have changed from asking for routine things like recovery from a runny nose and wisdom about career choices. Now my top priority prayers are for those mothers, fathers, wives, and children who are sacrificing so much that the rest of us can have peace and freedom and security. Amen. Amen. Long ago, another mother named Mary sacrificed enormously in order for God to save people like you and me. And how did Mary respond? I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. She committed herself to the Lord. <laughs> no strings attached. And that commitment cost her enormously. But that commitment also fulfilled her life and glorified her life. Now, there can only be one mother of Jesus. There can only be one mother of our Lord. But the Spirit of Jesus is searching constantly on this earth for new instruments, for new bodies, new hands, new feet, new voices to use so that he can touch this sin-marred world. He's still looking for people like Mary who will say, May it be unto me as you have said. Could he be asking you to make yourself available in 220 in a more committed and joyful way? See, folks, in 2020, God has a task just for you. And if you say yes, it may cost you, and it probably will cost you. But I'm going to tell you, <laughs> you will be fulfilled and have a fulfilled life. God wants to hear you say the words of Mary. 
I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have spoken. Anne Weems is one of my favorite poets. She's written a beautiful book of Christmas poems. She calls it Kneeling in Bethlehem. And in one of her poems, she says this, Mary Nazareth girl, what did you know of ethereal beings with messages from God? What did you know of men when you found yourself with child? What did you know of babies? You're barely out of childhood yourself. God chosen girl, what did you know of God that brought you to this stable blessed among women? Could it be that you had been ready, waiting, listening for the footsteps of an angel? And could it be there are messages for us if we have faith to listen? Pray with me. Father, we thank you for coming to us. And we thank you for Mary, who allowed herself to be used by you to become the mother of the Savior of the world. Thank you for her obedience. Thank you for her courage. Thank you for her commitment. And I pray, Father, that when you come with a purpose and a calling for us, that we'll say the same thing as she did. I am the Lord's servant. And thank you that that baby son of hers became the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And thank you that one day he is going to come back in all of his glory to take us to the heavenly home that he's prepared for us. Until then, keep us faithful. We pray this in the name of Mary's Son, Jesus Christ the Lord, and all God's people said, Amen. Today we're going to offer you an invitation to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior if you never have. Christmas is all about John 3:16, For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's Christmas. And that's what you can respond to. That's why he came. So open up your heart. Accept him as your Savior. Let him come in. Be your Lord. Erase all that crud that you've been living with and give you a new life in him. Maybe you have not obeyed him in baptism. Why don't you come and make that decision? Or maybe you need to become a member of this church. Why don't you make that decision? If you'd like communion, it'll be on either side of the room. You come and serve yourself while we're singing. Let's stand and sing.